And if someone's struggling with figuring out what their razor's edge is, what are some things that you can offer that person? So the razor's edge is getting to that place where your entire DNA is lit up. Your body feels like um, this is danger moment. Um, people that are afraid to get there, they just need more practice at being in that and realizing like, oh, I don't die from this. Right. You know, so, so I would start with emotional razor's edge when you're going to need to say something to someone that is true but hard to say. This episode is brought to you by West Coast Beach a year-round beach volleyball club on the west side of Los Angeles in Santa Monica, California. At West Coast Beach, we aim to get 1% better every day, both on and off the court. You can find more info about us at westcoastvbc.com and on Instagram with handle at westcoastvbc. All right, I'm here with the one and only Dr. Mike Gervais. Dr. Mike, thank you so much for being here. Oh, stuck to be with you. Thanks for including me. Absolutely. Michael Gervais, you're a sports and performance psychologist who has worked with some of the best in the world, including world record holders, Olympians, artists, and Fortune 100 CEOs. You work with Coach Pete Carroll and the Seattle Seahawks. You have worked with Coach Karch Karai and Team USA for the women's indoor volleyball team. You're an author, speaker, and co-founder of Compete to Create, a digital platform business helping people become their best through mindset training. And you just released an audible uh, audible exclusive uh, on, as an audible original. <laughs> You're the host of Finding Mastery podcast, which is awesome. You're a surfer, husband, and thought leader. Your website is findingmastery.net and your IG is at Michael Gervais. Again, Michael, thanks so much for being here. Oh, yeah, for sure, mate. What a fun little introduction. <laughs> it sounds like I've done a lot, but you know, it's just one day at a time trying to chip it away. <laughs> well, let's jump right in, man. Um, Mike, what does living an inspired life mean to you? Well, uh, let's just deconstruct the word inspired for a moment. And so if you go back to the origins of the word in spirit to, it means to breathe life into. And so an inspired life is somebody who's animated by the spirit. You know, they, they are uh, so animated that they engage in life in the present moment because they're not beholden by things that they've experienced in the past and they're not afraid of things that might happen in the future. So they're living dropped in right here, right now. Uh, there's a courage, a vulnerability that it takes and a skill to be able to do that, to not be burdened by the stuff in the past because we've, we've all experienced pain, you know? And the way that our brain works is that it quickly maps pain into protection mechanisms. And nobody gets out of this world without trauma, whether it's big trauma or small trauma. And I'm saying that as a, as a psychologist, like um, not with a biased sample group of just folks that I've worked with, but that's a human issue, dude. We, there's suffering that we all feel. So, so, and the inspired life is there's, is there's life breathed, breathed in. And what does that mean? Rock, uh, lock solid, you know, right in the present moment where you are experiencing the riches and the nuances of life with a, a vibrance about it. So that's an inspired life for me. Amazing, man. How do you stay inspired within your game, the game of sports psychology and helping to evoke the best out of others? <laughs> uh, I, I've got to live it first. You know, I, I don't look outside of me for inspiration. Um, there's lots of that. There's so much outside of, uh, of me that is inspiring. And so I'm going to answer it the cheeky way first, which is like, I got to live it. I got to feel it. I got to know how to have the abilities to live in the present moment to um, be on time with the unfolding moment. 
and I don't mean like literally to my watch to, on time, like late for a meeting time. I mean, be so fluid with the present moment that I'm stitching and linking them together. And that's where the real inspired life works. So I've got to work my ass off. Early days as a kid, you know, when I was younger, I suffered from some anxiety. You know, I was really uh, exposed through performance anxiety. Um, surfing was my sport. And I didn't know there was such a thing like psychology. I didn't even know what the hell that was. So I, I've, I've learned this way of living because I suffered the other way of like being overburdened by what people could be thinking, by what if it goes wrong, by the self-critic to try to get ahead of the other critic. And so I do it by putting in the honest work in the woodshed of my inner life uh, so that I can have some sense of freedom and um, exploration and curiosity and adventure in my external life. And what I've come to learn is that the internal world is immense and the external world is equally as immense. And being fascinated with both of those and layering skill on it, like some sort of technical skill, shit, that's where it gets really fun. So um, <laughs> now the, che the other way of saying, how do, I, how do I find, be inspired? It's like, spend a day with my wife and you'll be like, oh, I see the fire. <laughs> you know, she's, uh, she's got all the fire you can imagine. Um, her family's from Cuba and so they bring some heat. Um, and El Salvador, <laughs> they bring some heat. And then um, the folks I get to work with Aaron, you know, like, Jesus, they're best in the world at what they do. And they're switched on. So, right. but that's a lazy way, you know, of saying, oh, I'm inspired because of people I'm around. Because the opposite of that is uh, when people around are not inspiring, then, th then that means I'm going to be bored or I'm going to be whatever. Like the most dynamic people in the world are those where they dictate their inner experience. They dictate their experience. They don't let the external world dictate their internal uh, living. And so, um, and that takes skill, you know, that takes some skill to do. Right, right. Yeah, you know, this, this whole project, uh, it started out as being something to try to inspire the youth athlete, but it's kind of evolved just all athletes or, you know, uh, coaches or entrepreneurs. And I would love to really get into mindfulness <clears throat> with you because, you know, uh, you say you can, you, you say we can train our craft, our body and our mind. And then when it comes to the mind, I would love to really get into mindfulness with you. What, what is mindfulness? Mindfulness is sustained awareness. And there's really two parts to mindfulness that, um, you know, they're like bookends, but they're just part and parcel of what mindfulness is. So it's the ability to be aware and have sustained awareness of four things, your thoughts, your emotions, your body sensations, and the unfolding environment around you. Okay, so with awareness with those, what it ends up allowing us to do is pivot and adjust towards what? Towards being in the present moment. Right. So if right. you've got thoughts that are pulling you away from now, then with great awareness, you can refocus back to now. And let's talk about what the present is for just a moment. Yeah. The present is, being present is when your mind and your body are in the same place doing the one task that you're challenged to do, whether that's having this conversation or kicking a ball or you know, dropping in a wave or writing a paper or a conversation, whatever it might be. But your mind and your body are together in the same place doing the same thing. And most people, their body doesn't leave the present moment, okay? <laughs> like that's, that's a different parallel thing that we've got to talk about. Like leave that for a pin for, you know, <laughs> epistemological, 
<laughs> epistle. Oh my God. It was my minor in college. <laughs> epistle. Epistemo. Oh my. Hold on. Shit together. <laughs> what is the study of knowledge? I'm just blanking on it right now. Well, well, we'll put a pin in that and it'll come back to me in a second. But, but our minds go somewhere, Aaron. Our minds go somewhere else, you know? And it's as if the microphone that you're talking to is in another room. It does you no service. And that's what happens to many people with their mind. And mm. so um, what does mindfulness mean? It means sustained awareness of those four things. And then it also leads to the second pillar that I was talking about, which is wisdom. And so when you spend a lot of time in the present moment, not only do you perform better, that's true. The present moment is where high performance is expressed, but you end up getting to the truth of stuff. Right. How does the something truth. really work? You end up getting to the truth of it. And when you kind of cobble together enough of um, truths that you've experienced, you end up getting into a place of wisdom. Mm. And mm. so that wisdom is in and of itself so transformative that uh, it changes the way that you engage in life. And so right. it is about awareness and wisdom. That's what mindfulness is. And then last note to overcomplicate something beautiful and simple <laughs> is that it's a skill. Mindfulness is a skill. It's also a state of being. And if you have enough practice, it becomes a trait, a way, an enduring way of engaging in life. So it's a skill for, to work towards a state of being mindful, which is aware, and then um, uh, hopefully a trait. Wow. You know, this whole realm has really kind of fascinated me um, lately, but over the last couple of years and, you know, just kind of learning from you and listening to your talks have been mind opening. Um, I was wondering if you could just expand a little bit on meta awareness, because I heard on um, I heard your conversation with Tom uh, Bilyeu on impact theory. You were talking about meta awareness. When you when you train awareness, we can become more finely tuned. So can you can you expand on that a little bit? Sure. And then with a little moment of uh, uh, pausing in there, I was able to remember epistemology. <laughs> it epistemology. was my minor in ecology, yeah, okay. the study of knowledge. Okay, so meta-awareness. So meta-awareness is, it's like the watchmaker's watchmaker. And so what does that mean? I know it's super esoteric here, but it's when you're able to kind of see what's happening in the present moment. And there's two ways to think about the present moment that we were just talking about. It's like you can be in the first person driver, if you will, like you're in the cockpit seeing what's happening around you. Totally cool. That's where, um, that's where like for many people, that perspective though feels so fast that it's hard to keep up and stay in it. Just like if you were on an, in a Formula One car, imagine a video game, you're in a car, you're in the cockpit of the car driving at 100 miles an hour and you've never seen the corners coming ahead. And so meta-analysis or I'm sorry, meta-awareness is when you can zoom up and you can see the track, you can see like what's coming ahead, you can see where the car is positioned, you have a sense of how the car is working. So how does that really work in life is that you're, let's say you and I are in a conversation and um, it's first person, so we're like we're in the cockpit. But then if you have the ability to kind of zoom up and get the context of what's happening mm -hmm. and really see it from a different perspective. So that, help, that helps for most people to go, oh, okay, I get what's happening. And then you can settle back in to the present. So that's what meta-awareness is. 
Love it. You end up, it's like um, photographers call it log rolling. So log rolling is this, I don't know where the original phrase came from, but it's take, if a photographer is taking a picture of another photographer taking a picture of an event, right? So the meta awareness is that first photographer I'm talking about watching the other photographer. Wow. Yeah. So that's another way to think about it. Okay. Okay. I want to stay on mindfulness for a little bit because it's just so powerful to me. Um, you know, you work with coach Pete Carroll and Pete Carroll says, if we can enhance people's ability to be mindful, they're going to be, they're going to live stronger and more powerful in the moments. Um, how do we practice that? Okay. So this is the skill part of mindfulness. Right. right. And let me put some context to the inner world, the training of the inner world for a moment is that whatever we're trying to build from a psychological perspective, maybe it's confidence. That's a, that's a skill. Just like you do sets and reps in the gym, you know, or set technical sets and reps, you know, yeah. whether it's a volleyball or whatever, you can also do sets and reps for mental skills and confidence is a skill. So if you want to build a skill of confidence or deep focus or calm or um, having the f optimism, thinking that the future can work out, then the first order of business is awareness. And then with awareness, then we can apply the skill, right? But if we're not aware that we're in a place that's funky, that's not really optimized for the current um, demands of the environment, then we really find ourselves like in a struggle state and we don't know how to get out. So awareness is step one, skill is step two. Okay, so you're asking about awareness first. Mindfulness is a necessary component, but not sufficient. So it is one of the golden threads that binds everything together because we need awareness. But then we also need the skill to apply um, to course correct or to stay down a path, if you will, an optimized mm -hmm. path. Okay, so how do you practice it? Well, um, it's an ancient tradition. It's been around 26 plus hundred years. Um, modern science is absolutely cranking out research right now where we're finding that through mindfulness training, and I'm going to double click and explain what mindfulness training is, like how to do it. But we're finding that it can change the brain. It can change your psychology. It can positively impact behaviors. Um, it's actually changing neurochemistry, neuroelectricity. And like I started with actually changing physical structures in the brain. It's amazing. Like it really is mm. amazing. So what is it? Well, there's two main types. Okay, so the first type is called single point mindfulness training. So single point mindfulness training is when you're focusing on one thing for an extended period of time. That's it. And then when you break away from that one thing, because, you know, our minds, like I've talked about before, our minds are a bit like a drunk monkey. They're sloppy, dude. They're curious. Right. They're all over the shop. They're easily distracted. They're emotionally wonky, you know, right. undisciplined, if you will, that, that, when our mind wanders from the one thing, that we bring it back to the one thing. And it's that practice of refocusing in a relentless and nauseatingly deep focused way, a committed way to come back to the, to the one thing. So what's the one thing you say? <laughs> the one thing is like the tradition or a tradition is focusing on one breath at a time. So you focus all of your assets aired on the inhale and then everything you got on the exhale. You know, and you do that set a timer. You know, we live in a world where we've got timers. If we were 
thousands of years ago, it might be an incense, you know, or a flickering candle or whatever until it runs out. But you just set a timer and you just keep coming back, keep coming back without judgment, without critique, without, you know, beating yourself up, without any narrative as much as you possibly can. You just come right back to all of your essence, back to the inhale or back to the exhale. And let's say you don't want to focus on breathing. You want to focus on a sound, a mantra. No problem. You want to focus on a dot on the wall. No problem. You want to focus on fill in the blanks. It can be anything. Right, right. You know, but you just, when your mind moves away from that, you just gently, quickly kind of wink at the distraction and come right back. I love that. You know, I've been practicing meditation <clears throat> in the morning, um, just a couple minutes, because it's like you said, my mind is like going all over the place. And then sometimes it's hard for me just to sit. But the more champions I talk to and, and experts, um, you know, that, that I talk to about this mindfulness practice and about inspired living, that, that's just a constant theme that keeps coming up. Quiet your mind. Yeah, meditate. Yeah. Oh, you know? for sure. The, the stillness of the inner life started, started to jump on. I thought you were wrapping it. But the, the, the stillness of the inner life is really important. That yeah. being said, Aaron, it's not for everybody. Meditation is not for everybody. Right. I think, you know, when I said necessary, um, there's many forms of awareness training. Right. Mindfulness meditation is one of them. Right. And I didn't buy it when I first was ex exposed to it 22, I guess, 22 years ago now. I didn't buy it. I thought this is kind of whack. What? Why? What, why like, didn't you buy it? Why not? Why not? I mean, we're going to sit on a pillow. I got right. shit to do. You know, <laughs> right. like right, I mean, right. I, I'm, I'm kind of fidgety, you know, at that, at that age, I was a little fidgety and really kind of prickly about wanting achievement and sure, you know, kind of like a, a super achievement mode. Right. Right. And a lot of people are most people I'd say. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it, but until it becomes problematic for quality of life. And for me, I hadn't reached that place where I could put it together that, oh, I'm, my ambition and need for achievement is actually the thing that's causing me um, this internal restlessness. Mm. And so, so to counterbalance that, what is this thing about being more still? Oh, that seems whack. I just need, I need to you know, be on the grind and hustle more. And I'll tell you what, I mean, for what it's worth, this hustle hard mentality is so out of, I mean, dude, I don't know anyone on the world stage that's not working their ass off in other than that one person on the team I'm with right now that rolls out of bed. He's got a eight pack. He jumps 42 inches. He's eating pizza and burgers and he's got a four, two, you know, like he's four, two, four, you know, I mean, like there's freaks, right? Right. But 99.9% .9 of the best. So 90%, let's call it 95% of the one percenters are working about as hard as a human can work, both on the strain and stress and the recovery. So you got to work on both of those things. So this idea about like hustle hard, I mean, if you're not hustling, I, I, I don't understand. Like, I really don't understand because to, to refine anything, to experience the beauty of anything, coal to diamonds, you know, hard work to um, creative expression. I'm not sure I know how to help. So um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, no, you know, yeah. I was just gonna say. So like, when when I find myself uh, on a good day and a, a good meditation session, whether it's two minutes or five or ten, I can tell that my inner voice is more clear, and I all the other voices kind of dull down a little bit. And I notice when I don't meditate, all the other voices get a little louder. My inner voice gets a little quieter. Mm, you know? cool, man. Yeah. yeah so that, what if a, you did, 
What if you didn't say good or bad day? What if you just say, you know, some days when I'm able to work longer, right? Like what right. if you, if you sure. strip the judge, if you strip the judgment out of it, like, Oh, that was good, Aaron, or that was good. That was bad. And you just said some days are a little bit longer. Some days are more challenging. Cause I'll, sure. I'll set a timer for, let's say 20 some minutes, you know, and dude, it's the longest 20 minutes of my <laughs> life. <laughs> like, I'm checking my clock. I'm like, oh, oh, that's right. Come on back. You right. honor your commitment. But sometimes that 20 is like, I go to another place. Sure. And sure. It, in and of itself, it's not a means to an end later. It is a, it's an end in and of itself. Mm. You know, the practice of being here so that you and I can be together, you know, and I'm not entertaining yeah. all, all the mumbo jumbo that might be happening if with an undisciplined mind. I love it. I, you know, meditation uh, is a practice. It's, it's just a tool though, right? So this whole project is about tools, all okay. kinds of different tools. You know, my, one of the uh, visuals that I have in my mind for this is anyone listening, whether, like I say, whether you're a youth athlete, a coach, an entrepreneur, is that you have a tool belt, almost like, um, like Batman, like the Batman tool belt. So like, for me, gratitude would kind of be like the number one thing. Like I, that's, mm. it just kind of changed my life just to, just to practice that. Um, and then meditation is another one, but you know, uh, phrases, positive phrases or, or affirmations, if you, if you'd like, um, also help me. And, you know, one of the talks that I, I heard you and Pete Carroll talk about in the finding mastery live was he, he said something about, uh, this phrase that he used called, uh, epitome, epitome of, um, poise, epitome of poise. Yeah. yeah. I, and and I really like that because I can envision him in, you know, those Super Bowl moments or, you know, those big moments where you, there's all this chaos and stuff. And you're just he just he, he was talking about how he just kept repeating that to himself. Epitome of poise, epitome of poise. Can you talk about that a little bit and just what an affirmation does to you? Yeah, let, let, let me start. You said something I think I don't want to miss, which is yeah. um, big moment. Yeah. And I actually don't think there's such a thing as a big moment. Okay. You know, and so I think it's an interesting frame because um, we could spend a lot of time on this, but, uh, you know, some people will say they hear this and they go, no, dude, I don't know what life you're living in. There's big moments, you know, and then if you just pause, though, for a minute and uh, maybe explore it, ESPN will sell you on that. Fox will sell you on it, you know, like Fox Sports will sell you on the biggest play, the biggest game, the biggest moment of this, you know, I don't know. Here's how I think about it. And I've been to countless um, championship experiences, right? Like when uh, the world's watching and there's a fractions of a second between or razor points uh, separating first and seventh place, you know, podium winners are not, Super Bowl champions are not. And I, there's just this moment. Right. And if you can't be in this moment right now, if none of your essence was in this moment right now, you're not living. Okay. So let's just, that's kind of what death is. None of your essence is in this moment, the physical form or, or, or mental form as we know it, like it's not here. Okay. Go up a level. Your body's here, but your mind is somewhere else. Okay. So now you're half living, right? Like you're half alive. Now, now, so you're not really in this moment. So all we have is this moment. And the, the extraordinaries, whether they're thinkers or doers, they are skilled at being in this moment. And they tend to say, uh, is what I do. So it's another moment. It's another opportunity. It's another, 
you know, um, chance for me to work my stuff. Sure. And so if, if a moment is big, Aaron, then I have to be big to meet the moment. And I used to think that way. And so my job was to try to be big, to meet the big moments, and then how to maybe help other people be big in big games. And I'm like, holy moly, why don't we just not wait for later, but be about it now. Right, right now. Train it na- right now, like right literally now. right now. Just yeah. be in this moment with all your essence. And then, and then when you end up kind of getting to a place that there's no such thing as a big moment, it's just another moment. Can you be with it? Can you be on time with it? Can you bring your fullness to it? Mm. Not just your body, not just some of your mind, but all of your mind engaged in this moment, even when there are quote unquote live bullets. In sport, there's no live bullets, right? But in military, I have tremendous respect for operators and military personnel where they actually face real bullets. So um, in sport, we're not warriors. We're not uh, going to battle, right? Uh, Maybe the battle is internal, but we're not really, I mean, there's rugged environments in sport. Cage fighting is rugged, um, but there's somebody there to stop it. Right. You know, so, right, okay. Right. So, you know, while there's savages to a level, you know, and um, violence to a level, and I'm not saying it's not violent. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't wanna, I don't wanna be in a cage. Right, right. <laughs> no, I wanna be clear I, about that. And I'm not trying to be a tough guy uh, by any means. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm right. just no, having, I got, holding, holding great respect, Aaron, for, for true warriorship. But I got what you're saying, like sport offers us an opportunity to practice that mindfulness of the right now, right? It just happened. It. Yeah, to be yeah. in it. Yep. Yeah, yep. it just that's happened exactly to have a scoreboard it. and a ball or whatever it may be, but it's 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 an opportunity, right? And that's why I think both of us love sport and both of us love the opportunity yeah. that it allows us to have, which is a great segue to my next question for you wait, personally. Wait, wait, I, but I, oh, didn't yeah. answer you. I didn't answer your question. Oh, okay. Sorry, I just got caught yeah, in that yeah. rift. Do, do you want to <laughs> no, stay on... Yeah, sorry about that. No, no, no worries. Actually, yeah, let's go back to that epitome of, of poise thing. Poise. Because I, mm-hmm. yeah, because, and the reason why I'm, I'm interested in that is because that phrase is a really great phrase for Pete, right? But like, do you know, should we all make our own phrases? Or should, you know, should we borrow phrases? Or do... Yeah, that's a really good question. Now, if we do some research on psychology and sports psychology and, you know, affirmations, it's mixed. Okay. Right. It, it really is mixed. And there's some research that will suggest that, you know, affirmations are cool. I, they don't work for me. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I don't, I, I don't find value right now. I, I can point you to some research to show you that there is some findings, but I don't find value in saying, like, if I'm in this conversation with you, this is the most important thing I'm doing. Right. And saying, okay, just be in it, be in it. Right. Right. <laughs> you can, you, you know, you got this, be the epitome of poise that, that worked for coach. And I'm not saying it's not good for moments that feel like they might be getting away or might be feeling really big that if you've got some go-tos, it might, or if you've got a couple go-to phrases or reminders, that's kind of how our mind works, but I don't find great value in practicing them. What I do find great value in is having a very clear intention. Okay. So, so that sounds almost woo. -woo. I want to make this hardened. I want to put some handles on this. When you wake up in the morning, who are you working on being? Okay. So uh, can I, can I flip it on you for a moment, Aaron? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So today, or whenever you want to choose, like, who's the man you wanted to be today? Right. Yeah. I wanted to be the best interviewer and most, yeah. in, <laughs> the, 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 the best version of myself. 
Okay. You know? So then, so you pause there, like, and then you got to make a decision, the best interviewer or your best. My and best. if, if yeah. you go to your best, what, what does that mean? And I could add some words like grounded, curious, um, confident, uh, yeah. exploratory. I don't know, but so put yes. a word on it, put a word on it. If you could. Curious. Curious. Okay. So your intent is to be curious, to, to maintain that curious approach. Okay. So then what I would do or what I do is I do the same thing every day. And then I take a few moments to prime my imagination to see a curious me in an interview, you know, or conducting an interview uh, in your case. And I just get a couple beats of it. Bang, bang. You know, I'm, sheets are still on and I'm just getting a frame of it. And then, then I make a commitment, like, right, that's what it looks like. That's what I'm about. And then, and then I just have my back. I just have my back, you know, and I'm like, that's what I'm going to go do. I'm going to stay curious no matter what. Now, if you need to write that down somewhere, cool, that hardens it. If you do need to practice, be curious, be curious, be curious. I just think it's, it's more of a reminder, which is okay, rather than a kind of idea that if you say it, it's going to happen. Mm. So I don't want to split hairs in here because I love the epitome of poise thing. Yeah. And when moments start getting, feeling like they're bigger than me, you know, like I feel small because the moment I've made the moment feel really big. Then I do have mechanisms that's like, okay, come on back now. But for me, it's come back to the, my breath. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I I really like the whole bring it back idea. Bring it back, bring it back to to right now, to right now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. And that's what he was doing essentially is like, just be the epitome of poise. And you know, he had another, he has another layer to it, which is one, it's a really cool thought, but two, it's like people as a leader are looking at him. Right. So if he's a mess, then they're going to be a mess. Right. So just be about it is what he's saying right here, right now, be about it, be poised. What does that mean? Think clearly, be present, think creatively. And that, you know what, whether you're an athlete or coach, or an executive or a parent, I think that's it. I think that's yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this is, this is all mindset that we're talking about, but I had a whole section on mindset that I wanted to ask you about, which uh, you spoke to Karts Karai, the, the legendary Karts Karai. I, I got to speak with him as well. And um, episode one of your Finding Mastery podcast, he, he says, the search is not for balance. It's for being deeply connected to whatever it is that we're doing at that time. And I really like that. I really like that because that's exactly what you're just talking about right now. It's your relationship with the present moment. And you're talking about self-talk. And I I was wondering if you could just expand on productive thoughts, because when I asked him about the zone, which I'd love to get into you with in a a second, but he he, he was talking about, oh yeah, you know, I was just kind of more making adjustments and just kind of really allowing my, my thoughts to be productive. And I was like, man, did he get this from Mike Gervais? <laughs> well, Karch is a legend, like you said, and he's won more than just about anybody in volleyball uh, as a coach, as an athlete, both indoor, um, on beach. And I was incredibly fortunate and honored. And I loved every moment that I got to, you know, do that work with Karch. Um, uh, as part of a member, or a, a member of his uh, Olympic quad going into Rio for indoor right. women's volleyball, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I, Karch is skilled, and so he's very aware of his mind, and he knows the difference between trying to force it and kind of be with it, 
And he also knows that there's a thing of uh, destructive, negative, critical type of thoughts. And then there's something that's more productive, like, you know, okay, that's cool. Adjust. Let's go roll. Right. Here we are, right. you know, one play at a time, keep my frame, you know, whatever it might be. And those are productive building, trying to get you back into the rhythm of the present moment, you know, cause in the, you know, I keep talking about the rhythm and the, the being on time with the present. Let me, let me explain that this moment. No, 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 this moment. And then this moment, so there's, there's like moments happen. And if you're not with that cadence of the moments, then that's where like, we don't really have a chance because it's just our body sitting here, but our microphones are another room, you know, like if your microphone right. is the mind. So it's being with the unfolding moment. And that's kind of the work he's talking about. So if you're going to use your mind, use it in a way to help you get to the present moment fully to the next moment fully. So it seems to me like we talked about sport as an opportunity to practice that, right? Um, and a guy like Karch, who kind of, or Pete, who are, who are just committed in their life to their work, their, their sport. What about when you're away from your game? You know, what about when you're driving down the street? What about when you're walking down the street? What about when you're interacting with people and you're not, you're not necessarily in your game? Can you practice this, this mindfulness? Yeah. A, a million, 1000% like, yes. And here's one way to, if you get in your car, here's a little game that I used to have a lot of fun with, with athletes is um, called the seatbelt challenge. And uh, I don't think I've ever talked about this. So we, yeah, seatbelt challenge is um, we compete. And so the idea is being present, right? So we would compete to can you be so present that you hear your seatbelt click when you get back or when you get in your car? And then part two, like we'd level up, you know, we compete for whatever, however many times you got in your car, how many times did you hear your seatbelt click? And then a percentage between he or she and I, um, whoever wins that you know, kind of wins a, a thing, you know, right? Okay. Whether it's, a, I like it. you know, just a, for honor code or if it's like for a dollar, whatever we're doing, like, you know, and then the next level up is like seatbelt and then um, hear your key or the button in your car, like the, the switching, like the key going in the keyhole or uh, the fob going in or the button that you push? Like, can you just be so connected that you hear those sounds? So it's part one, part two, and uh, we just compete. And Love so that. that's, that's a way to practice priming yourself to be present for a drive. At least, you're giving, at least you're getting the seatbelt right, you know, that's it. I love that though, Mike, because that kind of goes to the premise of this whole project, which, every, which is everything is a game, you know? You mm. just, you make it all a game so that you get in there and, and have fun with it and you, mm. and you compete like that. I love that, you know? Um, let's talk about emotion. This is, this is a big one. I know there's, it's like a big component to uh, mindful living or competing at your best, you know, but I specifically want to talk about vulnerability with you. Because on that, on that impact theory episode, you, you said that thought precedes emotions and we can only have one emotion at a time. I was wondering if you could kind of expand on that a little bit, because I felt like I've had multiple emotions at, at once before, but, you know, I, I yeah, I want to hear what you have to say a little bit more about that. So um, imagine, let, let go back to a time when you're, you feel devastated and you're crying and um, it's a bit overwhelming for you, right? And it's like, it feels like the, the intensity of the pain and the grief are really, really high, okay? And then, and you're in it, okay? And then somebody says, I'm thinking about a funeral and a friend of mine right now. And then somebody says, well, do you remember that one time when 
And then all of a sudden those tears turn into like snot rocket, like laughter. Okay. So that, right. Have you had that moment before? Sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So, so you actually didn't get two emotions at the same time. It's a bang, bang experience. It's like sadness, 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 deeper, 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 deeper. And then all of a sudden, bang, it's something else. And then you come, you can come back to sadness, you know, right. That's no problems. But when you're in that happy, 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 joy, 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 right. It's not sad. So we only get, yeah, we only, so we can go bang, 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 back and forth. Like that's a, that's a bit crazy making, but for the most part, we get stretches of emotions. And um, when we take a look at our brain, we best case we think is that we get one emotion at a time. And let me use that bang, bang analogy with thoughts now is that there's an intimate relationship between thoughts, emotions, and environment. And um, sometimes the environment um, will trigger something in us and it feels like our, it's just our emotions are um, almost uncontrollable, if you right. will. Like I just right. had an emotional response. Well, it's actually not the way I'm understanding it. It's not quite like that because your thoughts are designed to go from individual bunch of thoughts to uh, streams of thought to habits of thought. And then once it, because we're trying to become efficient and if we had to process everything as if it was brand new, I mean, there's too much information coming in. So we go from individual thoughts to streams of thought, to habits of thought. And once it becomes a habit of thought, it becomes non-conscious. It goes kind of below the line of awareness. Mm. And so if something happens in your environment and then there's an emotional trigger, let's say perfume comes by and it reminds you of a heartbreak. Okay. And then you start, you start to feel a little agitated or sad or whatever it might be. It's not that the environment forced your emotions to take place. It's that you created a pairing of heartbreak with perfume. And then it's now not, it's below conscious detection because you don't have to think about that all the time. So the way that this triangle is really working, thoughts, emotions, and environment is that our thinking patterns are, do have the ability to, to, uh, influence or even dictate emotions. So mm. um, let's say that something challenging happens to you and uh, so something happens to each of us. Okay. Same exact thing happens to us and you see it as an opportunity for growth. And I see it as an absolute death to my ego, what people are going to think of me. So that's the mental construct and framework. That's the thinking right? The same thing happens. We're in the same car. We both get hit by the same, whatever. And you're like, you know what? Okay. So I'm going to get a little break from A, B, and C, and I'm going to amp up this part of my life now. And I didn't want it, but okay, there's a chance of growth here for me. But that's personal choice, right? But that's thinking pattern. Right. That's a thinking pattern. And so your thoughts are going to influence your emotional experiences. Uh And so the way that I have come to understand this is that thoughts and emotions are a little bit like a rider and an elephant. So the rider is the thoughts and the elephant is the emotions. And so if the elephant, the emotions, if the elephant wants to run, it's going to run. Okay. Like there's no, I mean, the most skilled rider is not keeping the elephant from not riding. So you, we have to have a relationship. The rider needs to have a relationship with the emotions, with the elephant. And that's thoughts and emotions working together. So thoughts can dictate emotions, but sometimes emotions just want to run. And it's a long way. Yeah. It's a long way of me saying that, you know, become aware of your thoughts, become aware of your emotions. So you have a chance of working with them. 
Yeah, and managing them in those quote unquote big moments, but not quite big moments. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This whatever moment you're in is the yeah. biggest you have. Yes. Right? yes. Which is always now. I love that. I love that. Can we stay on emotions for a little bit? And and mm. I want to talk to you about pain because uh, I feel like everybody has had some sort of pain in their life, but you specifically have talked about how every great change starts with pain. What do you mean by that? Well, I think it, what I'm trying to articulate there is that um, why do people change? People change because of pain. I wish it were more like aspiration, but change is hard. You know, rewiring is hard. Going in and tinkering and changing um, and re-engineering something that's invisible, which is thoughts and emotions for the most part, definitely thoughts. Like re-engineering the the invisible is really quite challenging. Changing behaviors is one thing, but thoughts precede emotions and thoughts and emotions together impact uh, behavior. And then thoughts, emotions, behavior, all together in context, influence performance. Mm. So why do people change is because something's not working for them. And for some people, like let's say um, an addict or a drug abuser or abuser of any kind, they tend to need a lot of pain in their life to change. Mm. And they're some of my favorite people, you know, because... Um, they've touched the darkness of the, their, their human experience and they said, oh gosh, and then they get real with it. So they're drugging, drinking, doing whatever they were doing to numb it, you know, the pain. And yeah. then finally they say, I can't keep doing this. This now is greater than the original pain I had. I got to go get in touch with the original pain and I'm making an extreme case, okay, to prove a point, I guess. And then they get real with themselves. That's why they're my favorite. You know, people have done that real deep work. You don't have to be an addict to be like favored, you know, and, and uh, but, but people change because of pain. And if you can change your threshold of pain and appreciate the work that comes with it, then that, that's a rapid flywheel effect of, you know, progressive growth. Yes. Some people need to hit their head on the concrete and some people just need a little blister on their foot, you know, right. and- Right. And if you, and Aaron, if you're too sensitive to pain, you're probably not going to be able to get through the hard times. And getting you know? through the hard times is it leads to freedom, right? I mean, that's that's really like it's really it can. Kind of, yeah, yeah, like it. Can, you definitely can. And that freedom, if you double click on that, what do you mean? Because I'm going, yeah, I like that. Like, what do you mean by that? Yeah, just like zero limits, like no limitations, no no constructs that you're in. You're just you can you can evoke yourself the way that you were meant to be evoked. That's psychological freedom. Yeah, right? that's what I and meant. So, yeah, yeah. So if you're not beholden to operating a particular way in an environment that has quote unquote bigness to it or pressure to it or whatever. And you dictate your inner experience because your, your mentals are so skilled. I'm channeling Marshawn Lynch right now. Okay. Did, did you just, did, do you know who Marshawn Lynch is? Of course. Yeah. So Marshawn, he's a legend. And, um, you know, so he's, he's got a way that he says, get your mentals right. You know, so like he's talking about get, get your mind right. Yeah. And that's not something you just do on game day. Get it right now. You know, like, What's the best way of thinking to be in this moment? 
Love that. Um, can we talk about vulnerability for a little bit more? Because uh, I mm. think I heard you say vulnerability is how we train emotional capacity and getting to that mm -hmm. ra razor's edge. Could you expand on that a little bit? Sure. Vulnerability is really tricky. It's hard. You know, it's, it's the exposing of our soft underbelly. You know, it's moving out of the shell um, to get to a bigger shell. And that's where vulnerability, you know, is at its height because when a lobster or a turtle or a snail or a butterfly is coming out of their cocoon, like whatever it is, there's vulnerability in it, but that's how growth happens. If a lobster right. is just gonna make the decision to not be vulnerable, to not scurry across and get into the next kind of bigger shell to grow into, we got problems. You know, we're just gonna be kind of stuffed into this big shell um, and eventually our capacity changes because all of our DNA says, oh, this is the limit now. So it takes great risk to be vulnerable. And so it's really the risk taking um, that's required to be vulnerable to say, uh, I don't know how to feel. I'm, I'm confused by this. I don't know what to do. Um, I need help. All of that and, um, is required to grow. And so right, if you can't right. do that, because you're really in the game of trying to manage what people think of you in a favorable way, it'll be a limited experience. Doesn't mean that you, it, you can't make a lot of money it doesn't mean that you're not going to be at the top of a podium. I'll tell you, I've, Aaron, there's a, a person who is a world champion um, that I spent a lot of time with, top of the podium. And Han was raised, he was a fighter, a cage fighter. Uh, Han was raised, raised, and one, 1,000, two, 1,000, three, 1,000. That's what he got. Oh, I did it. This is amazing. <laughs> Four, 1,000. Belt is coming around his waist right now. Hand is still up in the air by the referee. Damn it, I got to do this again, though. So he's, he's caged because he doesn't love what he's doing and, and he hasn't taken the risk of going to the next iterative kind of professional life. Imagine that you're so good at something that you become caged by it. And so wow. um, it is one of the challenges of the talented youth is that it sets us down this path that I am a fighter. I am an athlete. I am a musician. I am fill in the blank. And that's why when we go onto the stage that we're talking about, whether it's a cage cage or it's a volleyball court or whatever, that stage, that it feels like life and death for some people, right? Like the, the anxiety for me when I was a kid was that it felt like my whole identity was at risk. So when your identity is what you do and you go, um, demonstrate what you do, actually your whole identity is at risk. Where people that decouple who they are from what they do, and they're going into the baseball field because that's their craft, and they are not what they do. They're just, you know, Aaron's Aaron, and this is Aaron doing something. Mm -hmm. That there's creative space. Right. Because it's like, oh, well, Aaron's a learner. <laughs> that's what right. Aaron is, Aaron's a learner. Right. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go out here and learn. And then when you get information that's going to help you learn, awesome. Does it mean it's always like that easy? No. Right. But I'll just, I'll, I'll stop talking that the best in the world, my experience, like the tip of the arrow, there's not one golden thread that binds them all, but there is a heavy thread that pulls together this relentless commitment to the truth. Mm. Mm. And if someone's struggling with figuring out what their razor's edge is, what are some things that you can offer that person? 
So the razor's edge is getting to that place where your entire DNA is lit up. Your body feels like um, this is danger moment. Um, people that are afraid to get there, they just need more practice at being in that and realizing like, oh, I don't die from this. Right. You know, so, so I would start with emotional razor's edge when you're going to need to say something to someone that is true, but hard to say. And I would start practicing that more often. Well, and, yeah, yeah that, that's where I would start. Okay. So this is a great time to ask you about FOPO. You talk about fear of other people's opinions and how that, that, that might be the modern day threat. Where did that come from? Cause I actually agree with you on that. And that really got me thinking about it, but I'd love to hear you expand on that. I think it's one of the great constrictors of potential is if I'm trying to manage what you think of me, right. then I can't really be in this moment. Right. Because my mind is trying to do something that is not solely task related. And um, oddly enough, when the saber tooth tiger is lurking in the bushes, that there's a region of our brain, a network of our brain that um, is responsible to keep us alive. And as soon as we hear that rustling in the bush, if we first are going to discern if that is a rabbit or a saber tooth and we're wrong on that assessment and it's a saber tooth and we thought it was a rabbit, we're late. We're not going to have the ability to spring into action. So what our body does is it hears a rustling in the bush and it goes, could be, prime up. So it could be a saber tooth, prime up, light up. And then, so that's when the heart pounds, sweating, you know, there's all this kind of very predictable fight, flight, freeze, submit mechanism that takes, takes place. And it's so that we can take action uh, appropriately, fight or flight or freeze. Submit is more rare. Uh, it happens more in the business hallways <laughs> than, than, than uh, in, you know, in real life. So, so what ends up happening there is that fight, flight, freeze thing kicks on and we, we, we're primed to go. So, I mean we need to become familiar with that. And as soon as we say something that's uncomfortable, same system is, is uh, activated, that same network in our brain. And you just gotta get into that place, say some stuff that's uncomfortable, get experience with those um, frames, and then realize that, oh, okay, <laughs> you know, right? The great uh, saber tooth tiger nowadays, cause there's not, any of them left, you know, there are dangerous people in the world. There are dangerous animals in the world, but for the most of the part, people, you know, certainly in the Western world are living in suburbia city esque in safe neighborhoods is that it is the opinion of what they might hold. That is the yeah. trigger of that network. Yeah. And so fear of people's opinions, I think is a great constrictor of potential. And so how do you deal with it? I think coming from a place of love, Mm. I, I, I love you and I, I don't, I don't care what you think of me. Mm. Love that. Yeah. How, how about that? If you could do that. Yeah. I got love for you, but I don't care what you think of me. It reminds me of when you talked to Cal Ripken Jr. And how he kind of got a little emotional about how his dad told him that maybe he should stop the, the inning streak. Can you talk about that just for a second? It's on your uh, most recent finding mastery episode. Cal's a legend. Which which um, which part do you want to? Just know, that part where he gets emotional. It, it really struck me where he's talking, and and you asked him about the emotion, and and he was talking about how he misses his dad, and just the um, it just reminded me what you said about the the fopo, and like his dad was like, no, let's let's do what's best for you. Let's not worry about this this big you know this big thing that's happening. 
which, which ended up leading. It, it led to 18, what, 20 years of a career and, and a huge thing. But that moment of in, in 1987 where his dad was like, maybe you should take an inning off. Yeah, wild. I think in that, what, what I, strikes me is not necessarily that conversation, but the fact that X number of years later in a podcast with me, he's talking about, or any, he's got the ability to be himself. Right. So he, he knows that emotions are important. And so right. that was the appropriate emotion for him. Mm. And so he went there. Yeah. And that is vulnerability. And anytime somebody has demonstrates vulnerability, this it's the same coin just opposite side is courage. So same coin. One side is vulnerability, the other side's courage. You get one with you get they, they come together. I love that. And so yeah, and so he had the courage to be authentic to his own personal state, independent of what I had to think of him independent wow. of what anyone else might think of him. That, those are the people that like, that's the man I want to be. And those are the people I want in my tribe. Totally. Me too. We should make a coin that says vulnerability on one side, courage on the other. I, that, that, that would be, that'd be a cool thing. How about it? Mike, let's transition into flow. Uh, can you identify when you are in the game, in the flow or in the zone or locked in? Well, I can describe what, um, it feels like I can describe what science has tried to describe it. Um, but if you are aware that you're in flow state, then you're not actually in flow state. Ah, Yeah. So flow state by definition, ath athletes call it being in the zone. Musicians call it being in the pocket. You know, there's lots of different phraseology for being completely immersed in the present moment. You know, um, uh, a Zen monk might call it enlightenment. You know, mm -hmm. so a moment, a thin slice of enlightenment, if you will. Sure. So um, what is it? It's when your awareness and your action are fused, when it feels like there's a distortion of time, either it's sped up or slowed down. It's as if you can adjust to anything eloquently. And um, it's amazing. There's a sense of awe with it, you know, at the highest purest. And there's also low flow, which is like, hey, this is just good. You know, but it's not like everything's working together. So it really is almost as if um, your mind has gone quiet and you're responding as a, and, and dictating sometimes as opposed to trying to like figure it out and adjust and managing the moment. You're just kind of with it. It requires incredible skill uh, for the most part and it requires incredible trust. Trust that if it doesn't go right, that's okay. And then that's the world that you and I live in. There's also ways to get into flow, like washing the dishes, you know, where the skill is um, meets the demand, you know, it meets the challenge. Like, you know how to wash dishes, right? You know, so it's not this, the challenge is low and the skill is low. And if you can be absorbed in those two, great. Now, if the challenge is really high, you need a lot of skill. Mm. If the challenge is, um, you know, bottom of the ninth, whatever. And you need the skills to manage that, the physical, the mental and technical skills to manage it. Now, here's the interesting thing about flow or the zone is that if you perceive the skill to be, uh, I'm sorry, you perceive the challenge to be really high and you don't think you have the skills to manage it, that's called anxiety. Mm. <laughs> that's it, wow. it's, that, it's that mechanical, right? Wow. If you think that this challenge is not very big and you got big time skills, call that boredom. Okay. Yeah. So what we're looking for in every moment of life is like, what's the challenge? And then, yeah, I got the skills to back that up. 
but mm. you can't just, you can't BS, BS yourself. You got to really have the skills. I love that. Um, you talk about how focus is one of the entry points into the flow state. Mm. And I want to ask deep you fo- deep focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, can you practice being in the flow? No, but you can practice deep focus through meditation, through mindfulness, same thing. Mm. You can practice deep focus in lots of ways, writing, um, you know, staying in the kind of grubby, hard, scratchy, uh, high heart rate zone stuff. If you're on a whatever kind of run or kettlebell swings or whatever you're doing, like, you know, practice being focused. Right. Like, so focus is one of the keyholes into flow state. So you can practice focus, but you, you can't practice like, okay, I'm going to just decide and practice going into flow. <laughs> there's right, there's right. trip wires that you got to um, activate before the full thing happens. So this might be a good time to tell you that I did your philosophy um, exercise mm-hmm. in uh, Compete to Create. Um, did, did you take the, the online course or in the book? No, it was the Audible. Yeah, the audible, audible original. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Oh, you and did I, it. I, yeah. I did it. I did it here and it was really powerful. And it was an exercise of focus for me because at first I was kind of intimidated because I was like, what is my philosophy? Well, what does that really even mean? Does that mean is that my mission statement? Is that just what I'm all about? And I, I want to make this correlation with focus because lately what I've been practicing is I've been imagining that I have this flashlight right here in my third eye. And it's wherever I want to direct that flashlight is my focused attention right and so i've been doing that lately it's kind of my life has been opening up and especially talking to you know incredible people like yourself but i wanted to take that that and and apply it to this idea of what is your philosophy and i was hoping that you could kind of go into that and maybe help people out there who might not know where to even start like like what is my philosophy what do you mean you know yeah sure let's start with a definition so philosophy is the it's the guiding principles that guide your life you know, and you already have one. I have one, you know, uh, even if it's not written or super clear, but it's the principles that have informed the car that you bought or didn't buy, the car that you wanted or didn't get, the, the, the watch that you bought or didn't buy, the food that you chose to eat or didn't eat. Like, like you already have a philosophy, but for most people, it's kind of like a junkyard philosophy where it's just like kind of cobbled together from maybe some influential people early on in your life, like what they thought was important, you know, um, but just kind of a, more of a junkyard philosophy that's not really ironed out, crystal clear, that is this hard, not hard, um, I would say hardcore, but that's not it, but the, a, a really crisp way yeah. of guiding your thoughts, your words, and your actions. Yes. Love that. And yeah, so if you think about some of the great influencers in our life, Dr. King, Jr., um, Nelson Mandela, Mother Teresa, Eleanor Roosevelt, like some of the massive shape shifters in the world. We know what they stood for. We know what their principles were. Right. Now, so the principles, just to use uh, Dr. King Jr. for a moment, is that it was about equality. And then his mission was about to make that thing happen. Equality for all. I have a dream. You know, that dream, you could say I have a mission. And he used a more poetic word. But the principle is equality. That's what he ate about, slept about, thought about, spoke about, wrote about, like it was about equality. Okay. And then he dedicated his daily missions toward it and it ends up being his life mission toward it. So that's the difference between philosophy and um, mission. And 
So would you recommend the youth athlete try to figure out their philosophy or, or when do you try to figure out your philosophy, you know, in your, in, in an athlete, let's just, let's just stay on athletes for a second. Like an athlete is told what to do all the time, right? The schedule, the, the game schedule, the practice, the regimen, right? When do you start to think about your philosophy as an athlete? Not yet. No, I mean, okay. when you're saying youth and you're talking like, I'm thinking 12 to 18, you know, yeah. 12 to it's somewhere in that range, 12 to 17, yeah. not yet. Okay. You know, just know that it's really important. Like, but I would say, what are some principles that are important to you? And I'd right. have a place that they're written down and, um, and I would, I would double click under it and I would say, I'd start with like, well, what is my mission? And I'd say like, what is my mission today? Mm. You know, what is my mission this quarter, semester, year? You know, what's the quote unquote hill I'm working to take? And so I would make sure that the mission is balanced between external and internal. And so the external is to some sort of placement on a team or whatever, you know, but the externals, the problem with externals is that they're not under our control. The internals are always under our control. Like my mission is to be free and happy, creative and grounded, blah, 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 blah. And that that's really a mission. Cool. Then I got to practice it today, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Where the, the other stuff, you can't practice it. Right. Wow. That's, that's cool. Could, uh, I, I encourage everyone to go check out um, Compete to Create on Audible or, or online, but could you just give a brief little example of that exercise? Uh, yeah, well, I would say first for on philosophy. Yeah, just like how it, like the construct of this three columns and all that. Yeah, so I would say first order business is um, it's all really well spelled out in the Audible original, and yeah. I, I can't quite do it justice here, but so. Right, right. Um, and that's audible.com compete to create, you know, as a place to go get it. And then, but the the first kind of thing for philosophy are what are the words that matter to you? Who are the people that inspire you? Right. What are the phrases that are cool for you that get you, you know, put you in a vibe and eventually you just get it down to a sentence. Like of all the things, of all the principles in life, like these are the ones that matter most to me. And so, you know, you get it down to one sentence, but that's kind of the mechanics. No, that's perfect. It's, it's very powerful for really anyone, um, but specifically someone in leadership, right? A coach or a a CEO or, or a business owner. Yeah. So really good stuff. I appreciate you. Yeah, man. Um, Just a few more here on the, on the main part. Um, I would like to talk to you about mastery. Mastery, you know, it's a word that is kind of like, it's a powerful word right? Kind of hits you hard. Mastery. Um, You've talked before about mastery as playing in the spaces. I would love for you to expand on that. So mastery, it it can almost feel old, you know, like, what is this thing, you know, but mastery is really when you understand the nuances of something so well that you can play in the spaces between. So like, I don't know, I don't know how to play tennis. And I see somebody move their feet and hit a ball you know, but they're actually making all these small world-class or world leaders are making all these really small adjustments and they're actually becoming artistic, uh, expressing artistically their unique way of doing it. So that's mastery. That's, and, and really mastery is, it's being on the path of getting better, getting better. It's, it's the path that's the goal of mastery as opposed to this end state that I have mastered something. And so it's the, the path of learning, the path of getting better, the path of wisdom, the path of um, command of oneself, the path of artistic expression. So that's kind of what it 
what what it's really about. Wow, it's it's so cool to be on that path. And uh, what's coming to mind right now is, what if you're not on that path? How do you how do you start? How do you find your way to a path like that? Um, I don't know. It's right. a good question. I've never been asked that question. You, you have you have to want to, because the path is really this path I'm talking about is a thin herd path. Right. And um, you have to want to, you know, you have to want to go at some level past achievement, past outcome, past um, the externals and really, really value kind of this creative expressive way of going through life and knowing that there's this balance between um, in that craft is really just a way to learn more about your internal life. Right. And, um, right. And so I, I don't know how to answer it. I would say pain, <laughs> get in touch with the pain. Right. You know? And it's an empty meal, um, getting to the podium. I can't tell you how many times, if you knew what I knew about people that had made the podium, um, and even washed out, not getting to the podium because they didn't have the external skills nor internal, it's an empty meal. It's great. I, I love the, the the teams that I've been part of where we've hoisted the thing. Um, but really, at some point, it becomes the knowing of what it takes to have a, an artistic command of yourself. That's really it. It's the knowing. And you know, oftentimes with winning comes more money. And that's cool, too. There's nothing wrong with that. But when that's the thing in of itself, it does become, uh, again, an empty meal, like a hollow meal. I don't know if you've ever ate like a non-fat muffin but you eat it and it's like there's <laughs> nothing to this you know right. like it's an right. empty meal you're just not really fed in a meaningful way right wow that's a that's a good analogy cool let's move on uh, let's talk about sources mike where do you get inspiration from um yeah it really is an internal experience for me like i'm i'm in i mean the external let me it's being in the present moment is what inspires me. And it's the relationship with other people and the mother nature and the, the complicated tapestry that we're trying to figure out together. You know, that's mm-hmm. really the inspired thing. But when I, to make it simple, it's like my wife, my son, yeah. you know, um, people that I get to have relationships with. Um, those are the easy ones. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, Pete Carroll and you, you know, working together, you talk about a relationship based organization, which seems the Seahawks seems to be and, and, um, and same with compete to create that relationship based organization is very inspiring because you get that teamwork, you get that workability with each other. I mean, does that does that resonate with you? Oh, yeah, it's, it's so it's so fun. (laughs) Yeah, you know, to be in environments that are electric, you know, him trying to create systems and practices and whatever, where a hundred and some alpha competitors are pointing their noses in the same direction. It's really challenging and um, super electric. And so, and, and uh, that's been a blast. And, and, and then last question before the lightning round is, is like, when, how do you deal with ego, right? Because ego comes up and, you know, especially in the competitive world, which you are in, even in business, even in the corporate world, all these things that we're talking about here is more of like this centered, you know, like this internally driven calmness, right? To, to elevate mastery in everything that you're talking about. So when ego comes up, how do you deal with that? 
Yeah, I mean, just kind of see it and laugh at it, you know, like, <laughs> like, you know, like, okay, I see where you're at. Not, not laugh okay. at the person, but like, oh, there's the ego. Right, right, you right. Know? Um, and it's fine. You know, it's just, um, at some point, if there's a, you got a Buddhism, um, there's a principle in Zen Buddhism that, you know, um, once you know Buddha, you got to kill Buddha. You know, there's a, there's an ego in thinking that you're enlightened too. So, uh-huh. um, you know, just see it, know that it's part of a dynamic and, uh, sometimes when I find myself like my ego is threatened or somebody else is posturing with their ego, it's like, oh, okay, just have a little compassion. Like it's scary in there. And so I think about ego as like a shiny, um, uh, what's it called? The shiny armor. And so it's trying to protect something on the inside and it's just really heavy. Armor is very, very heavy. It takes a lot to keep it shiny. And um, yeah, I just feel that I have some compassion for that. I love the lightness of of that. That feels light, you know, and, mm-hmm. and just a, another question on leadership, um, empathy, where does that fall into this whole picture? Well, empathy is, I think, um, one of the key holes to the, our future wellness as a, as a planet and certainly mm. as a country. Um, empathy like is the ability to understand what another person's experiencing, to feel it in a way that you really do not just intellectually understand it, but you could embody it and then play it back to them. Like, this is what it's like to be you. Uh, is this what it's like to be? You? Like, I feel this is what it's like to be you. And, and so it's a, empathy is a calibrating moment for safety for people. And if you don't have the ability to know what somebody else is feeling, it's probably because you you're not skilled at feeling it yourself. And if you're muted, if you're muted in life because you have only played the safe, narrow game of just a few emotions, you won't really be connected to other people. And so you gotta expand our ability to know emotions, feel emotions, play with emotions so that we can um, calibrate with others because nobody does this alone. The extraordinary Mm -hmm. is too big, it's too difficult, it's too amazing. Nobody does the extraordinary alone. Nobody does life alone. There are moments when we are alone, um, but nobody does it alone. So relationships are um, kind of one of the keyholes again, to uh, our humanity doing well in the next phase of life for us. And empathy is one of those, um, those, those binding threads. Love that. I love that. Uh, we're at the lightning round. Let's try to, I'm going to try to go a little bit quicker on these and, and you can answer these how you want, but shorter responses are encouraged here. How do you define success and what does being successful mean to you? Um, being animated with the spirit, what it means to me is I have many moments of awe throughout my life, uh, throughout my days. Love that. How do you consider the idea of failure? Yeah, it's good information. Love that. What are the most successful habits that you do on a consistent basis? I wake up my body and my mind in the morning. So I got to practice to do that. Um, making eye contact with people. Um, trying to go be, uh, right underneath the words that they're saying into the feelings that they're experiencing. Um, I make sure that I've got time to move my body. I hydrate well. I eat nutrition. Um, I've got a tribe of, of people that I love and they share love in return. Um, and uh, I stay intellectually curious and uh, you know work on the inner skills so I can enjoy the adventure. Well said. So every guest that comes on this show, I think of one word or a phrase that best describes them. Um, I'm going to ask you what, what's one word that best describes you and why in a second, because I'm going to tell you mine first. Um, here's my word for you. And it's a phrase. 
mindfully invested in progress. Love it, dude. I'm about that. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> cool. And, and, I, and I got another one too, because I was thinking about you a lot. Mm. The key maker. Oh, very good. That's fun. Yeah, cool. The key maker for yeah. wisdom of others. And I, I, I had that idea from the matrix, you know, and, and you're not the door keeper, you're the key maker, you know? That's cool, man. Yeah, that's cool, dude. Unlocking stuff. There yeah. you go. There you yeah. go. Cool. Yeah, I would have said um, uh, the, the word is like, I want to be a co-creator. Mm. You know, we're going to be a co-creator. Yeah. Love that. What's the most important lesson that has helped shape who you are today? Oh, my relationship with my wife, the, the, the turmoil and the pain and the challenges that we've had, the heartbreak. We've been married uh, 20 some years and um, it's been that enduring relationship that has changed me more mm -hmm. than anything. Can you share the biggest challenge you've been through on your journey? Oh yeah. When she, you know, when she says, Mike, like you got change or like, you know, there was a moment, there was a moment in our life where she's like, okay, listen, I think we're done. And we're married seven years. She's like, I can't be me in this relationship. You're, you're fine and wonderful, but like, I, I, this isn't working, you know, because you're, you're, you're too selfish and you're kind of pushing too hard and uh, not watering the relationship well enough. And um, it was a moment that kind of put everything on skids for me. And it was a massive recalibration. And that healing took, um, you know, six months, you know, to kind of put the thing back together. And so it, it fundamentally changed me for the better. Wow. Mike, you, uh, you've worked with so many high level performers and talked to so many thought leaders. What does your game time prep look like? Oh, I mean, game time prep is just doing everything. The same thing I do every morning, be here, be present, be where my feet are. Um, you know, put a grin and smile on my face because you know, this is the moment to be in. And so nothing different really. What's the if common, I, if, if I, if I feel too much adrenaline, I just kind of breathe and back it down. If you know, my wine is my mind is wandering I'm practice it kind of bringing it right back. So bring it back. It's the same thing. Yeah. What's the common theme that keeps coming up for when you talk to all these people and your podcast and your uh, book, yeah, and not, not being good enough, the fear of not being good enough. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, how important is the idea of having impact to you? Uh, yeah, good. I think it's important. You know, I think that, um, I don't know, like I'm, I'm trying to, it's not my number one aim. My number one aim is to like be connected and kind of, you know, live authentically and creatively. And um, if that ends up having impact with others, cool. Um, I'm, other people impact me more than I think I <laughs> impact them, but like, so it's cool, but it's really about just being connected. Love that word, connected. Mm -hmm. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received and why and from who? Uh, don't give advice. Like stop with the game, you know? Like, I, and I'm not in the advice giving game by any means. Like I don't, I don't know your, the way you've traveled. I don't know the shoes that you wear, the, the frameworks that you're working from. And so be curious, you know, instead of being an advice giver. Best answer for that question, I love that. What is your ultimate why? Oh, uh, pretty simple. Help people live in the present moment more often. That's, that's my, that's my purpose. Last question. What does fulfillment mean to you? Um, it means wrestling with the hard things in life and being deeply connected to others, you know, having an integrated life. And um, again, wrestling with the hard 
questions of life, the hard questions of consciousness, the hard questions of life, um, and really wrestling with those as an examined way of living. And, uh, and then the flavor of it is adventure-based. Like, let's go on an adventure. Like, this thing is awesome. It's not a journey. This is an adventure for sure. Mm. Wow, Mike, this was amazing. Thank you so much for your time and your insights, man. This was a uh, mind opening. And I'm it, like, I so like I told you earlier, it was like a full circle moment for me to be able to talk to you like this, man. Awesome, brother. Appreciate you. Thank you, Aaron. Yeah. Uh, before we go, how can we find more about you? Uh, any social media handles, books, websites, any of that stuff? Yeah. So um, social is fun. Uh, all the social handles, you know, whether it's LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, whatever is at Michael. Gervais, and that's spelled G-E-R-V-A-I-S. Um, websites are competetocreate.net. And uh, so that's for the, the online course and stuff we're building there. So you can actually train your mind to live in the present moment more often, to experience the kind of the good stuff of life. And then the podcast, Finding Mastery, is uh, on all the pod catchers and players and uh, also on the website, findingmastery.net. Mike, you're rad. You're awesome. You're inspiring. Again, thank you so much. And uh, we'll talk soon. Appreciate you, Aaron. Take care. All right. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me on Within the Game podcast. Visit withinthegame.com for show notes and links on everything we talked about today. You can also subscribe to the mailing list, which will give you exclusive content from each guest, as well as more resources to help you stay inspired in and out of your game. Follow us on Instagram at Within the Game Podcast.